What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for finding me today. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about a couple of team awards. I'm going to look at some candidates for team MVP and some candidates for the Reds Cy Young Award, which we're going to call the Jose Rio Award since... Cy Young never played for the Reds. That's all coming up here on today's podcast. Plus, we'll break down some of the follies of my playoff picks. That's all coming up in just a moment on the Locked On Reds podcast that today is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app today on your mobile device and join all kinds of rooms for your favorite teams and sports on the Spotify Greenroom app. They're changing the way that we talk sports. Let's get going on today's episode. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for watching right here on YouTube. We were kind of off yesterday since there was a little bit of Wi-Fi problems, but we're back. And thanks for listening on your favorite podcasting app. Here on the Lockdown Reds podcast, I try to make you a smarter Reds fan each and every day. All right, today we are going to break down some candidates. First, I want to start with Team MVP. Now, there are some criteria here when it comes to looking at the most valuable player for the Reds this season. The first that I want to look at is how much that person played. We're talking about players who have at least 125 games under their belt in the year 2021. That's going to preclude a couple of guys. That includes Tucker Barnhart. We're also looking at um, some other folks as well that aren't going to necessarily qualify for that because you got to play a decent amount in this season uh, to really have that kind of an impact. So I'm looking at at least 125 games or more played. They have to have hit at least 250. Yes, that's going to preclude Gino, though I don't think he had a strong candidacy this year, but that's also going to preclude a couple of other guys as well. And I also want to add in one more statistic for criteria, OPS plus the stat that kind of looks at all of the different uh, stats when it comes to hitting. And I want to say that's got to be at least 110. Because here's the thing, 100 is league average. Are we really going to say the team MVP was average to barely above average? 110 even seems kind of low to me, but that's kind of where I'm putting the mark at. I, I look at this and I say, look, Kyle Farmer did some nice stuff for the team. I'm not considering him here. Eugenio Suarez, those guys, obviously nice, but uh, they weren't the most valuable Reds. And today I want to give you two options. And of course, you can join the conversation when it comes to this. We've got the Lockdown Reds line at 513-549-0159. Or you've also got uh, me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And you can follow the show and hit us up there as well at Lockdown Reds and join the conversation. But the two guys that I'm going to talk about, number one, Joseph Daniel Votto. Joey DV had quite the season in 2021 because we weren't expecting it. Mostly, uh, I think that's probably the biggest reason why we're looking at it that way. Because when I talk about Joey Votto in 2021, coming into the season, we thought, all right, well, maybe we'll get 
you know, something. Maybe he'll hit 240, 250. Uh, you know, maybe there'll be like, you know, 20 home runs, something like that. He'll platoon a little bit and he'll be all right on the days that he plays. And had it not been for an injury that kept him out for the month, he might have played the entire year. I mean, that's kind of a big what if, but he had a pretty solid season when it came to playing games and just looking at some of the statistics. I mean, obviously we've talked about the home runs, the power and all of that stuff. He still managed to be in a higher percentile when it comes to league average in not striking or in, in walking. He, he was a little bit lower in striking out because he decided that he was okay with striking out this year. And lo and behold, he really ratcheted up the power. In fact, there was a quote in C. Trent Rosecrans' article kind of wrapping up the season. Uh, There's a quote from Joey where uh, an opposing hitter got to first base via, it was either a walk or a single, I forget what the story said, but he was talking to Joey about the hitting approach, and he's just like, he's like, uh, F it, I just want to hit dingers. I <laughs> love Joey. I love Joey Votto, but he was phenomenal this season. There's another stat that I want to add into the MVP conversation, though. It's a stat that's on baseball reference. It's not really a widely used stat, and you might say, Jeff, this is getting a little bit nerdy, but I'm looking at wins above average win-loss percentage. Now, I know that sounds really confusing, but here is the explanation. According to Baseball Reference, it's a stat that is based on the total stats of the player and what that would mean for the win-loss percentage of an average team had that player been a part of the team. So... I look at it from a big picture perspective. I say, okay, if you put this guy on a 500 team, this says the average or the win loss record of that team would go up. And according to this, if Joey Votto were on just a regular 500 team, then that 500 team would actually have a win loss percentage of 513. So he would add 13 percentage points to a 500 team. Now, Okay, that was a really clunky way of explaining it. Basically, you got Joey Votto on your team. You're winning more than you would be if Joey Votto wasn't on your team, and you're winning 13% more games than you would be had he not been there. The other guy I want to talk about today... Nick Castellanos. We recapped him earlier on in the week and talked about what would happen had you know if he doesn't return. We're not we're not broaching that. I'm just looking at this season where he sets up in the candidacy for MVP. And again, these are candidates that we're nominating. I'm not going to give you my pick just yet. We'll talk about that next week. But today, I'm saying Joey Votto and Nick Castellanos absolutely need consideration. I think it's pretty obvious that these two guys are on here. Looking at that statistic, talking about the whole win-loss percentage of an average team, if you add Castellanos on there, it says, according to this baseball reference stat, an average team would actually have a win percentage of 510 with Nick Castellanos. Now, that's not to say that I believe that Joey Votto is the clear-cut winner between these two. I just think that that's an interesting stat to throw in there because you're also talking about the fact that for much of the season, Nick Castellanos was an MVP candidate for the league. For much of the season, Nick Castellanos was competing for the batting title. We're talking about a dude that was absolutely phenomenal at the plate. And so far as fielding goes, yeah, sure, he wasn't fantastic, but he was still pretty good. 
But when you look at Nick Castellanos and his 2021 season, not only was it the best season of his career, but it was the kind of season that the Reds were hoping for whenever they signed him to that four-year contract with two opt-outs. I know it was weird at the time, and we talked about this. The Reds were gambling on the fact that one of these two years, they would be in contention, and he would be the reason for it. Now, don't get me wrong, they were in contention all year long, and he was a huge reason for that. They just didn't quite get there because, well, they needed more than just a Nick Castellanos, and they needed more than just a couple of dudes in the middle of the lineup that really anchored the run-scoring potential of this team. But he was a huge reason for all of the success that the Cincinnati Reds had in 2021 and definitely deserves uh, consideration for Team MVP. Okay, so again... We're just putting out some candidates right now. That's two candidates for Team MVP that we're looking at today, adding Joey Votto and Nick Castellanos to the list that you probably already knew they were on. Coming up, we're going to talk about candidates for Team Cy Young, a.k.a. Jose Rio Award, Best Pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. That's in just a moment. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about where you can talk about the Reds on a daily basis. That's at Spotify Green Room. Fans get together and they create these rooms. It's like a conference call that you actually want to be on because you're talking about your favorite team or your favorite sport. There's also rooms about NBA, about NFL. The NHL is back. They're talking about all kinds of teams, all kinds of games, lots of game watch parties. If there's a big transaction that goes down, they're talking about that too. There have been so many Spotify green rooms talking about the John Gruden news that this is the kind of thing where everybody can kind of get involved. They can jump in and kind of feel together. It's a great way to build community around sports. And that is the Spotify green room app. You can download it on the app store or on Google play and set up your profile today by linking your Twitter account. And you can follow different people. You can follow different leagues and get notified when key members of the media and players and things like that go live because there's media members, players, coaches, they're all on Spotify green room, download the app today on your mobile device and you can get notified when different people like that go live it's the spotify green room app they're changing the way that we talk sports all right so we talked about a couple of candidates for team mvp in segment one going on with our uh team awards and looking at candidates for those we're going to shift to the pitching side of things we're going over to the mound and uh, Cy Young didn't play for the Reds, so we're not going to call the Reds' best pitcher the Cy Young Award. We're going to call it the Jose Rijo Award because when you look back through the history of this team, I think that most people can agree Jose Rijo was the best pitcher that the Reds had. Now, there's probably arguments to be had about certain people, and I know that you might be wondering, well, Jeff, there's only one guy who ever won the Cy Young Award who pitched for the Reds, and you're not naming the award after him? Well... Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit simply because we don't want to embroil this thing in controversy. We're calling it the Jose Rijo Award. So a couple of candidates I got for that. Honestly, and you can kind of make an argument for Luis Castillo based on the way that you know his season went after June 1st, but I almost disqualify him because he was such a liability for those first two months. Your best pitcher should not be a guy who, for a for a decent sized chunk of the season, was a reason why you weren't good. 
He's got to be the reason that you're good all year long. I'm looking at a guy like, you know, I mean, you look around team guys on different teams, like look at Logan Webb for the Giants. He has been phenomenal for them all year long. Look at Max Scherzer when he was a national and now that he's a Dodger. Huge reason why his teams are successful. So many guys are like that. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for the dude that other teams look at this pitching staff and go, he's the guy that we hope we miss. And again, this is also something that I'm writing off all relievers. Sorry, Lucas Sims, you're a friend of the podcast. I do understand that. But the bullpen was really a problem child for the Reds for much of the season. And I'm kind of looking at the starting pitchers here for the Jose Rijo Award for 2021. So I'm looking at starters. And I'm going to narrow it down a little bit more. you got to have at least 25 starts. So that's going to knock off Goody. That's going to knock... Jeff Hoffman on this list, uh, Jose De Leon, Tony Santion, all those guys are not eligible. I'm looking at the key members of this rotation. Guys, you probably figure are already in this. And the two that I'm really looking at, because all due respect to Sonny Gray, but he was kind of off the roster a little bit this season with injuries and things like that. And there was lots of time where he had to rehab and ramp up and get back to used to pitching every fifth day. He's off the list for me. And I already said Castillo's off the list for me. And Goody's not there either. So that's really only going to leave us two dudes. Number one. Oh, sorry, Joey. How you doing, man? Number one, Tyler Malley. Tyler Malley had a phenomenal season. One of the best. I mean, obviously the best of his career, but one of the best around the league for pitchers his age. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal, especially when you look at when he pitched at home. When he pitched at home. Sorry. On the road, that's right. It was all back, all backwards there. When he pitched at a ballpark not named Great American, teams had no shot. He had an ERA under two. It was absolutely phenomenal. He got over 200 strikeouts. He got 210 career er, strikeouts for 2021. That was awesome to see. To see a dude for the Reds get over 200 strikeouts which they did, you know, a couple of years ago whenever Castillo and Gray became the first time since the Reds had two starting pitchers for a long time. But anyway, looking at this, 210 strikeouts for Tyler Malley, phenomenal season for him. You do hope that he gets to the point where you can feel confident in him pitching at home or on the road next year. I think he will. I think there was a smidge of flukiness to the rough pitching performances that he put up at Great American Ballpark and I don't expect him moving forward in his career to be unable to pitch there. I just think it was something weird about 2021. There's always baseball is a sport that is ripe with statistical oddities, whether you look at, you know, just different stats, you know, a guy who strikes out a ton also hits a lot of home runs or a guy who gets a lot of stolen bases, doesn't get on base very often. (sighs) Billy. Man, I wish that was not the case. Anyway, things like that. Like so many statistical oddities. I think this is just, you chalk it up to something weird. And looking at that statistic that I talked about from baseball reference, wins above average, win loss percentage for a, you know, a 500 ball club in the games that Tyler Malley pitched a 500 ball club gets elevated to a 600 ball club. In fact, it says that when Tyler Malley pitched, a regular average team would actually have a win-loss percentage of 612. Yeah, that's a playoff team when Tyler Malley pitches. Phenomenal statistic there. I love that. I'm gonna this is something that I'm going to kind of look at more. I think I'm implementing it right, but yeah, it's 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 an 
overarching big picture statistic because it takes everything that that player does into account and then puts it on a regular average ball club, almost like wins above replacement, but more team centric and more win loss uh, specific. So when I look at that, that's a good number. Also the other obvious guy and probably the guy you thought I'd say first, Wade Miley. Wade Miley, what a year. What a year for the Hulk, for Wiley Miley, for the dude who in March, a lot of people questioned why he was even still on the team. A lot of people looked at the Reds keeping him and saying that he's going to start every fifth day and pointed to that as a weakness for the 2021 ball club. Now we're talking about him being the best pitcher on the team. He actually has a legitimate argument too, because that statistic where Tyler Malley had a 612 win percentage for an average team, Wade Miley has a 652 win percentage. He almost 700 win percentage. That is what we're talking about when we talk about the guy the other team doesn't want to face. And now you're going to look at some numbers and say, well, Jeff, he didn't strike guys out that much. In fact, his strikeouts per nine were below seven. And he had a walks plus hits per innings pitch, a whip of 1.3. Not, not really numbers that you look at and you say, this dude's going to win a Cy Young. But when it comes to the Reds specifically, when it comes to him being the best pitcher for the Reds, he has got a legitimate argument because he knew how to limit hard contact. And when guys were on base is when he buckled down and got the outs that he needed to get. He was going deep into games most of the time until you get to the month of September, where that's kind of the question for me next year. If the Reds are to pick up his option, are they expecting a ton out of him in the month of September? Or do they come up with an idea for like a six-man rotation or something like that? I think that it's interesting when you look into that aspect of things, but... He was the most valuable pitcher for the Reds for much of the year. And I think the only reason that we really have a lot of discussion is, number one, Tyler Malley was phenomenal. But number two, that month of September really does kind of bring things down. It's not so much in that I look at, you know, he was a super liability like Luis Castillo was for the first two months of the year. But I also think that it at least breeds discussion and not necessarily a certainty that he was the Reds' best pitcher, although he absolutely deserves consideration for it. The Jose Arijo, the Jose Arijo Award is either, in my mind, Tyler Malley or Wade Miley. If you've got a different take on that, absolutely hit me up at 513-549-0159 or on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and uh, at the show at Locked on Reds. But when it comes to the best pitcher on the team, it's really these two guys. It's Wade Miley and it's Tyler Malley. And I'll give you my take on that on Monday. But the uh, MVP candidates that we kind of gave you in segment one, Castellanos and Votto, there's still more where that came from. And we'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. Now, I want to shift back and talk about these MLB playoffs because I gave you some predictions. I said who I thought was going to win, and absolutely everything went the opposite way. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Before we talk about that, though, I want you to grab a built bar. I want you to grab the best tasting protein bar on the market because it's made with 100% real chocolate. We're talking about something that's healthy for you, something that can elevate your snack game and also elevate your diet because it is a protein bar that is a candy bar. It's made with 100% real chocolate and has amazing flavors like cherry barcia and cookies and cream. You've got mint chocolate brownie, churro puff 
shelf is back for a limited time. You've got all these great limited time flavors that roll in and out. So you got to be checking built.com to see what they got going on. But you can also use the promo code locked 15 at built.com and save you a couple of bucks, save 15% off your next order. Built bars are phenomenal because not only are they made with 100% real chocolate, but they also have four grams or less of net carbs, sugar, and fat, and up to 18 grams of protein. Those are numbers that fit into even keto diets. That's right. You can have a bar with plenty of chocolate in it on a keto diet because Built Bar has made them for you. That's built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You'll save 15% off your next order at built.com. Alrighty, so let's talk about these playoffs because I told you at some point, I think I said on the MLB playoff preview, I thought, I thought I said the Rays would come out of the AL. I think at some point on here, I picked the White Sox to come out of the AL, but regardless, I thought the ALCS was always going to be the Rays and the White Sox and it's the Astros and it's the Red Sox, which whatever. I mean, I'm not like that doesn't like vex me or anything, but it's like, geez, Jeff, fade Jeff. If he gives you a pick, just pick the opposite because I, I said the ALCS would be the exact wrong thing. The Rays got dominated by that Red Sox team that just has so much momentum and kind of looks like a team of destiny right now. I talked about the Brewers being the team of destiny, which by the way, that one didn't work out either. In fact, um, I had the Brewers winning the world series, but they didn't even win the NLDS. That went to the Braves. And our buddy Gordon Beckham, our Locked On MLB insider, has a breakdown as to why the Braves did what they did to a team that looked like a World Series contender. Braves win the NLDS, and they await the winner of the Dodgers-Giants, which is another great series. So we'll stick to the, to the uh, Braves right now. The NL East was not great this season, and a lot of people wrote off whichever team was coming from this division. How did the Braves find themselves at this point? Yeah, I, I, I did some commenting um, on the on this team throughout the season because I live here in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I got to watch them kind of up close and personal, and, and they were not a team that was going to make it to the playoffs in, in yeah. late July. And then all of a sudden, Alex Anthopoulos goes out, and he basically makes trades, uh, one trade to get a bullpen arm, but more, more so to just – bolster their lineup and they got some veteran guys back in there. They got Jorge Soler and they got Duvall back. Um, And he's played great in a Braves uniform ever since he's been there. But um, Duvall showed up, excuse me, uh, Duvall Duvall was really good down the stretch. Their lineup just got really good because they were having at bats. Like they weren't allowing the pitchers or the the opposing teams Mm -hmm. to have easy, cheap outs. They were making them work. They were making them work in the zone uh, they were not chasing a lot. They just had great at-bats from top to bottom. Obviously, the pitching staff did really well, uh, too. But I think the biggest change was just adding some guns to that lineup. And they they definitely just changed the dynamic of that team because they just started having great at-bat after great at-bat. And that wears on pitchers. And when they do that, that's that's how they were able to just kind of sneak into the playoffs. But mm-hmm. such a good team. I like it. And, and they're they're led by Brian Snicker, who's such a good manager. I mean, he just really controls the room really well. And uh, the guys respect him. And so when they got that lineup and the pitchers kept doing what they were supposed to be doing, uh, things started clicking. And they just took down 
you know, a really, really good team in the Brewers and, and did it in four games. It's impressive. So much for my playoff bets. They're all completely gone. Uh, had the Brewers win the World Series. I put my money where my mouth was there, and that money is gone. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I, I really thought that, like, kind of like Gordon Beckham said, like the Braves' strength has always been their lineup this season, at least during the run. Okay. Not always. Let's rephrase that. The brave strength has been their lineup in 2021 when they made their run to win the East. Now the East itself was not a great division. And I think that that is part of the reason that people looked at the Braves and including myself looked at the Braves and thought, yeah, the Brewers are going to move past this team. They're going to be able to shut that lineup down and they're going to be able to get enough hits off their pitching staff and move ahead. What happened was kind of like he was talking about, they took on Freddie Freeman's mantra at the plate. Freddie Freeman, I don't know that that dude ever has like a three pitch at bat. I think he starts at like five pitches. Like a pitcher comes up to the mound and, and Freddie Freeman walks into the box and all of a sudden it's like a full count. He just threw like five pitches and he's starting the at bat. Something about Freddie Freeman. He is fantastic at extending at bats, and they all sort of took notes on that. Like you said, Adam Duvall, former Red, was having some really solid at bats during the series, and they gave the Brewers pitchers fits. I remember seeing that Woodruff start, and Woodruff did not look like himself. Now, maybe it was fatigues. Maybe that factored in a little bit, but I, I just think that the Braves had the better team for this series. And that surprised me because I thought it'd be the Brewers. But the other thing too, you got to give a shout at the Braves pitching, which the you know, the Reds can definitely vouch for that after last uh, postseason. but the Braves pitching shut down this Brewers lineup that for at least the second half of 2021 was pretty good. The first half of 2021, that was a question mark for the Brewers. And that is why it sort of took them a decent amount of the season to get up in the first place. They weren't always, it's not like they were the wire to wire team. There were plenty of first place sides in the NL central. It's just once the Brewers took control, they didn't let go because their lineup didn't stop scoring. And then they had the break and they start the postseason, and then they had trouble scoring again. It's very interesting to see that, but yeah. So the Braves move on and only the Dodgers and the Giants are playing for it all right now. And we'll see how that series goes. I told you the Giants would win probably means that the Dodgers will be playing the Braves in the NLCS coming up, but you have uh, Red Sox and Astros in the AL and you've got the Braves awaiting the winner of the Dodgers and the Giants. So yeah, whoever gets to the World Series, it's uh, probably, uh, well, no, it's not probably. It's definitely not going to be anybody that I picked because I had either Rays or White Sox and Brewers. Oh, well. Been fun baseball to watch, though. If you haven't watched any of this postseason baseball, man, you're missing out. You got to check that out. All right. Tomorrow, we will give you a couple more candidates here on the Lockdown Reds podcast for Team MVP. Uh, I think I'm still going to save my Jose Rijo pick for next week. We'll, we'll talk about that and more on tomorrow's podcast as we take a look at what's going on around the playoffs. And and I think we'll look. There, there was a great article in The Athletic from C. Trent Rosecrans talking about 10 big questions for the Reds this offseason. So we'll probably add another check mark to or checkpoint to the to-do list for the Reds front office this offseason. 
That's all coming up on tomorrow's Locked on Reds podcast. If you've missed any this week, we've been talking about the outfield. We recapped Nick Castellanos. We looked at the problem that was center field and how those can change next year. We talked about Jesse Winker a few weeks ago, so that's already been covered as well. That's he all here on the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you all so much for watching, for listening. Make sure if you won't if you aren't already to subscribe right here to the YouTube channel and also follow me on your favorite podcasting app. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Lockdown Reds. But that'll do it for us here today. Thanks for making the Lockdown Reds podcast your first listen of the day. Go check out the Lockdown MLB podcast as Sully gives you even more of a breakdown of this great postseason that's going on. That's Lockdown MLB, just like Lockdown Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.